and Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 141. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. So uh, before we get started on our regular uh, business, um, we just wanted to take a, a, just a minute or two to kind of talk about just what a tough week it's been. Uh, in D.C., we're all D.C. residents, but all over the country, um, just seeing what happened to George Floyd, just seeing the pr- police brutality, uh, seeing how uh, people of color all over the country have been treated, um, and then seeing the protests protests have given me at least a little bit of hope that things might get better. Uh, there's been times I've felt really powerless this week. Um, you know, I, l- I live a few blocks from where um, some of you may have seen a protest where uh, the police were just arresting protesters. Um, uh, it was just really tough, but um, we at Home Superior want to make sure that you are safe, but also active and can, you know, find ways to you know, find some agency. And so one good resource that at least I've found is blacklivesmatter.carrd.co. Um, and there, it has an action page of places where you can donate if you have the resources. I know not everybody has that right now because of, of COVID, uh, but you can take other actions like sign petitions um, and just, you know, make sure your voice gets heard, make sure you speak out make sure we can speak out against this uh, injustice um, that's happening. Uh, and I think it's more important than ever uh, because it is Pride Month and um, the first Pride was a riot, you know? So that's all I really want to say on uh, Homo Superior's behalf. Did anyone else want to add? All right, we all <laughs> want to assert Black Lives Matter. Um, completely separate from that, we are going to continue <laughs> Mutant Madness Bracket Challenge. Um, week, we are getting down to the very last few teams with our Sweet 16. So this is the first one, which we will be uh, talking about every single team we've brought up. We selected the teams. You guys voted on them, or not really voted on them, decided which ones you thought were going to go through. And we are debating them now to figure out which one uh, is the best X-Men team uh, Kaylin, do you want to start us out with the uh, X-Men teams? The traditional- uh, before, we do, before we do that, Brent, do we want to just go over um, the scoring of where oh, the top three? <laughs> yes, of course we want to do that. I'm so stupid. So stupid. Okay, so um, in uh, first place, uh, we've got Brett Manns, who uh, he has a, still has had a strong lead this whole time. Uh, in second place, Mike Moon, not very far behind. And then in third place, uh, Timothy Harkins. So uh, the three that have really been up there have stayed up there. Um, but uh, of, of course, this can all change, you know, as we get tighter and tighter. What place is Great, Andrew thanks. in? Wait. Uh, Andrew, I don't know, but it is. Yeah, which place is Adam's boyfriend in? Yeah, <laughs> five, correct. He's not. He's not last. He's not last. Yeah, he's he's in that. fourth. Right. He's in fourth to last. Okay. So, ah, okay. Cool. In the, yes. So he's in, in tenth place. I think he's in tenth or ninth place. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> good. Nice we'll, job, Andrew. We'll keep monitoring that each week. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where's Andrew now? <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm going to jump into uh, the first part of the Sweet 16 for the traditional X-Men teams. Uh, our first pairing is the all-new, all-different team that started with Giant Size X-Men number one versus the Outback era. Again, the all-new, all-different team uh, was when Wolverine, Storm, Nightcrawler, and Colossus uh, joined Cyclops uh, to replace the original five. Written by Chris Claremont, illustrated by Dave Cockrum, John Byrne, Paul Smith. Um, and John Romita Jr. for the majority of the issues versus the Outback era, which, uh, again, written by Chris Claremont, mostly drawn by Mark Silvestri, uh, and a little-known artist named Jim Lee made his uh, splash uh, during that era of the X-Men. The team includes um, Havoc, Dazzler, uh, Rogue, and Psylocke, um, led by Storm, mostly with the Mohawk during this time. 
uh, two very strong teams uh, up against each other. And um, I'm going to turn it over to whoever wants to jump in first to make an argument about why, which team should uh, move ahead to the Elite Eight. So we, we can see the original X-Men are out of the running. We know that we hate them now. So, like, <laughs> the, these are the two teams that, like, really broke the mold and, like, we're trying to do something different. So that's, to me, what the, like, which team had a bigger impact for. But they're both iconic, honestly. Yeah. Um, and nothing, you know how comics always say, like, nothing will ever be the same. <laughs> I think it kind of was for these two runs. I'm really torn, honestly. I, I need someone to guide me because I, I, I like both so much. So Sorry. I, oh, Adam. I read a few more of our kind of recommended reading issues. And again, this is more of like a basic bitches uh, viewpoint on the two. I think that like in my head, as usual, like even the old X-Men Blue series, I had assumed that I would like really fall in love, even just nostalgically with, uh, you know, the stuff that I think is so top of mind and connects. But I've got to say of the issues that I read, particularly for Outback, I kind of enjoy it more. I just found that the team to be a little bit more exciting. I think like obviously all new, all different covered more ground in terms of like solidifying what it means. But again, like something about Out Outback uh, and like maybe it's Dazzler, I don't know, but like just, <laughs> I. And actually, I know what I didn't like about All New, All Different is that Kitty's childish persona has not aged well. Like, I find it to be a very, like, annoying, uh, almost like you're watching a children's show. Because it's like, obviously, some of the, these were some of the issues that were very Kitty-focused, or at least Kitty-adjacent. And if I have to hear crumbs one more fucking time, I'm going to throw myself out a window. Um, <laughs> So yeah, just, I mean, again, just sort of like flash if I had to just choose based on immediate reading pattern. Um, I kind of actually did this week, especially like kind of read both because I figured this would be a really big toss up. Um, and just, I'm just walking away feeling a little bit better and more excited to want to see more of Outback. Um, but again, I, I look to you all as like the historians to sort of educate if there's what I, what I might've missed in the issues I didn't read. It's um, not to, to me again but um the outback era really was like the x-men where they were out on their own by themselves literally the all the main x-men that you know except for maybe wolverine and storm were off doing something else or technically dead blah 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 whatever it was but like this team is like they really fleshed out characters in a way that you don't really see and had some different dynamics you never really see we got some spotlight from uh Havoc, which without Polaris is novel and great. Rogue without Gambit, which is also freaking amazing. And Longshot and then Dazzler, which weren't really on formal teams before, especially for a long run. This was yeah. the first time that they were uh, in the spotlight. And I, I think they really shined. Just the dynamics of the, these characters together were so cool. Um, if I could jump in. Um... I started reading X-Men regularly during the Outback era, specifically right around Inferno, which I think is to me the apex of the Outback era. Um, and I fucking loved like how raw it was. Uh, what it made me want to do was, um, and this is true, I think of any like, like big X-Men fan is like, you're always a little bit lost of like what they're talking about. You're interested, you're like, how do I go back and do this? So at the same time, Marvel was publishing a book called X-Men Classic, which was the, uh, the beginning of the all new different era. So I was buying both concurrently and I'm going to make the argument that all new, all different is actually should move forward because all the stuff in the Outback era was like building on the stuff that was built in an all new, all different. I know the issues that you read that I recommended Adam um, and Brent, um, you know, because they were not the traditional iconic storylines, but we have to factor in the traditional iconic storylines too. Like yeah. Phoenix Saga, Days of Future Past, that stuff, there's a reason why um, the comics and movies and the TV shows kind of go back to those wells because they broke such new ground at the time. Um, and like, we can't really discount that, um, you know, as much as like some of the, um, some of the interesting places Claremont took the Outback era. Uh, I just, 
I just think that couldn't have existed if not for the all new different era, which is strong in its own right. Right. To me, it seems like I also thought the Outback era felt, uh, it felt different. It felt, you know, kind of fresh, but that, that is because the uh, all new, all different is such a well-trodden path. Um, Clark, did you have? Uh, yeah, so I chose, I didn't actually have is, the issues ready last week when I was putting them up, but I chose this week. I chose two, uh, 101 and 102 I chose. Uh, 101 is when uh, Jean Grey becomes Phoenix for the first time, but obviously now we know she was not Phoenix at all. But anyways, blah, blah, blah. Um, but most of the issue takes place at Cassidy Keep, where like everybody but Cyclops and Jean Grey go off to like rehabilitate. And it's just a great story of, all of them just interacting and hanging out and having fun. And I love the interaction they have between Storm and Nightcrawler there. It's just silly and goofy and it shows how like real connected they were. And I absolutely love that. And it was Colossus before the kitty nonsense grossness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I, I think we should go ahead and uh, throw it to a vote. Yeah. Um, all in favor of all new, all different moving forward. Give it a thumbs up. And it's five to zero. Well, I'm, I, I did wanted, not expect GMS. I, I didn't want to vote for it because we already lost the other Dazzlers, and now we have no Dazzlers left. Right? <laughs> well, I'll vote I, for yeah, I, I, I think ask. We can just ask, what would Dazzler have done in this? <laughs> <laughs> Happy to answer. Uh, we lost three Dazzlers, didn't we? She was in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did, Clark. Actually, there's a couple more in there, too. But. <laughs> Is there? Well, yeah, she makes. Hey, don't worry. In an alternate universe, Dazzler, Dazzler teams are winning this uh, race across the. Well, board. in an alternate <laughs> universe, Dazzler was in X, the original X Factor. That's true. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, almost true. real. Kayla, do you want to continue us on? Yeah. So this uh, the next bracket uh, in the traditional X Men teams for Sweet Sixteen. We've got the new X Men. That is the Morrison run versus the sort of the decimation era utopia X-Men, which uh, was a surprise uh, to me at least for beating Astonishing X-Men a couple of weeks ago. Um, so two, uh, I think these are the sort of the two seminal runs of the 2000s, which is interesting because it's up, they were up against, or the previous bracket was the seminal 80s runs, which I think the 80s and the, and the 2000s were like two great eras for the X-Men. So again, new X-Men, is Grant Morrison writing, mostly drawn by Frank Quietly, but also uh, at times illustrated by Phil Jimenez, Chris Bacalo, and others, um, uh, versus the Utopia X-Men, which was written by Matt Fraction, mostly, uh, and drawn well by Terry Dotson, but drawn fairly poorly, from my mm. perspective, by Greg Land. Uh, most teams, people's perspective. Yeah, <laughs> so um, I don't think we need to rehash the teams. I think people know who they are, but... Yeah. Um, uh, open up the conversation about um, which team you would like to see move forward to Elite Eight. Um, right? I think, um, you know, having read more of the decimation team, um, I think there's a, the problem I had before with them early on still stays true that so many of the voices sound the same. And when we think about how a great X-Men team works, the big problem is that if you want an interesting team, there's got to be parts where you have like banter um, and you've got to have like a plot uh, necessity where someone can explain why they have a thought that no one else would have. Um, and having really clear voices also makes statements more surprising and less perfunctory that so much of the story feels like someone is telling you. And then this happened from a novel perspective rather than I think from a comic, which is what we're really looking for. Yeah. I just feel like the team is so big that it's not really a team. I mean, yeah. that's interesting in itself, but you don't get enough individual characterization from most people. You get a shit ton of Cyclops and Emma and then some really terrible beast being a monster stuff because beast yeah. is the worst. It's a, it's a really strange run because it's like it, after a, it, it kind of is what happened after a bunch of events happened. So like they went through like three or four giant events and then they were sort of like, well, what do we do now? Everything's perfect. And then we'll have an issue where everyone's a hippie. Like they didn't know what the fuck they were kind of doing. Well, that was the end of the other one. May it that wasn't rest. counted as this. Like it just the whole, the whole run uh, just felt like, 
it was reacting to things rather 100%. than creating a story. Yeah, I mean, I would, the New I... X-Men is not a perfect read, especially for fans of the X-Men that have been around for like years and years and years. Like this is not, this, they changed a lot. And I think some of it holds up, but a lot of it doesn't still. I forgot that Glob Herman and, and um, oh God, I lost his name in my head. But anyways, Quire. yeah, that they literally killed people. They're yeah, like yeah, they were awful. People. I was like, goodness, now we love him. But he was, they were like straight up murdering <laughs> folks and not in a, you know, like proactive way. I think the most very... negative, the most negative thing about the new X-Men we talked about last time was their sort of treatment of Magneto when he was revealed like to be Zorn, but not really. Um, and like the retcon actually makes it a little more forgivable because of how like generic bad guy Morrison wrote him as and like not giving him the nuance I think the character deserved. But the rest of it, to me, like I reread it, on, you know, fairly like a fairly frequently and i think it holds up a lot um i think it um i think it injected a lot of uh fresh energy into a stale concept and stale um you know franchise uh i think emma was the most interesting to me in this run almost more than she has been till till hickman started writing her recently um I just love her. I just love her agency in in in, in the books. Um, yeah, the character Morris, is, the, he writes a, such a good characterization and such great dialogue. Beast like, wasn't the worst in it. Beast was he very, did, he yeah. did claim like that he was gay at one point, yeah. and then he wasn't, and that was because, fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I forgot all about that. Yeah, yeah, Beast yeah that's, a, that's a minus point for queerness. I love yeah, the fact. I love the fact that everyone. Points. Writers just know he's terrible now and write him as a piece of garbage all Actively, the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like that typically happens to all scientist characters and or like like extreme scientist characters, not just like smart technological yeah. people. There's always one character. Th there's always one character being like, "What is the limit to what you need to know?" It's always like crazy. <laughs> the like, limit does not exist, Ryan. The limit <laughs> does not exist. Um, I will. I'll, I'll definitely jump in. And from the selected reading, I read most of New X Men, um, but I did do the selected reading of Decimation. I agree. I can definitely see where you're coming from, Brent. That like from a quality perspective, it's interesting. But you're right. It's like a good writer just simply tossing their attitude on every single character that's in the book, whereas. I think New X-Men definitely had a little bit more nuance, and I agree with you, Kaylin, that there is a very refreshing... I remember reading it, like, when I was trying to get back into X-Men, and I was like, oh, I'll read the New X-Men that I never actually finished in, like, high school. And I remember being really impressed with how uh, different it was taking it, although I do think that, yeah, the, the later storylines definitely kind of, like, bombed, but I don't think that that's... Um, that doesn't discount the quality that was in the the previous uh, runs which were, were or not runs but the previous storylines which were very very strong and interesting yeah so do you guys so let's uh, go ahead and give it throw it up to a vote yes, yes. Favor, uh, the new x-men moving forward give a thumbs up and in five to zero uh new x-men moves forward all right Moving I, I looked at myself in the in the you know in the zoom and I was like, why is that guy so slow putting his thumb up? <laughs> that wasn't me. That new haircut makes you a new haircut confused the fuck out of me. Oh my god. Uh, do you scream every time you look in the mirror in the morning? I don't look in the mirror. But that's every day though. <laughs> so <laughs> moving on with a, our... this... What's up? Yeah. Move it along. We're, move on. We're moving on with our young teams. <laughs> Um, I'll take them. Ryan, take I'll it. Take the lead on it. this one. Fucking take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our first matchup is actually the New Mutants, the original class. Um, this came out in 1983, and it was like the first training group in the Magne uh, or in the what? What was I going to say? Uh, in the Xavier Institute, and it was the team that consisted of Cannonball, Karma, Mirage, Sunspot, Wolfsbane, Magic, Warlock, Magma and a whole bunch more later. Um, mm -hmm. They are going up against the original Generation X team, which is Banshee, Emma Frost as the leaders. We have Jubilee, Chamber, Skin, M Sync. This came out in 1994 and it went for about 62 issues. Um, Claremont actually put the new mutants together and then the original Generation X was done by Scott Lobdell. Uh, Chris Bocklow and a bunch of other people joined in later. What are y'all's thoughts? 
I mean, it's pretty apparent, yes? Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. Tough. yeah. Yeah, okay. We spent the last one shitting on Generation X, so it's yeah. going to be hard it, to. Yeah. Generation he's X has skin. He's got skin, you guys. Generation X skin. has a lot of good characters that got better later. Agreed. Yes. Yeah, uh, had a lot of heart, but it didn't want the win enough. Everyone, <laughs> oh my god, thumbs up if you think uh, New Mutants should go forward. All right, it's five to zero for the New Mutants. Uh, moving on. Are we Good. objectively proving like quality? Because I feel like we're killing it with our voting. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, I'll talk about the other half in a minute. Okay, here we go. <laughs> You're going to leave okay. that. So the second matchup of the young team is the new X-Men. This is post-decimation and day. Um, it had a pretty large cast of like 10 characters, X-23, Elixir, Hellion, to name a few. It was done by Craig Kyle and Chris Yost. And this is going to go up against another of the newer ones, uh, Wolverine and the X-Men, which had basically a, a very large cast because it included both the faculty and the students. Um, so Wolverine obviously was in it, Beast, Nightcrawler, a bunch. And then they introduced some new characters like Brew, Shark Girl, Sprite, uh, Kid Gladiator, and a bunch of others. Um, and that was actually created by Jason Aaron. What do y'all think about these two? What kind of power move would it be if it was... Wolverine and the X-Men, and then they just left out Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be great. And the X-Men. Got it. So is this one going to be the bloodbath of the day? I believe so. It might. Go it hard, might Clark. Go hard. Uh, no, I, I don't. I mean, we know that I don't like Wolverine and the X-Men. I don't either, yeah. and I'll start. Um, <laughs> I think Wolverine and the X-Men... They, they don't believe in their own writing enough, so they attach a lot of the faculty of the school onto the storytelling. Mm, so yeah. Wolverine plays a big part. Beast plays a big part. Kitty's in it a bunch. Like, they, they don't think the, the kids itself can handle a story by itself, so therefore the story is not focused on the children. I mean, I don't like which, the kids enough in this series to actually want to read them either. I'm, Brew is kind of fun. The rest, like Kid Gladiator is kind of fun because he's an asshole. But like the rest of the cast seems sort of generic when I compare mm. it to New X-Men, which seem to have fleshed out their characters in different arcs. Like each character basically gets an arc. In I mean, I, obviously I actually love, well, you and I both absolutely love New X-Men. Characters. So, every, I mean, I, I it's it's one that you have a hard time choosing which issues to put up. Yeah. Yes. If I could be the voice of dissent. Sure. Um, <laughs> I Tell me how Frankenstein is funny. Go. I love Frankenstein. The Frankenstein, Frankenstein arc is terrible. The Frankenstein <laughs> arc is not the best. Um, but I like the book up till then, and I like the book after then. Um, I think the the. Uh, the fact that you've got the traditional characters being teachers and mentors is a plus, not a minus from the book. Um, I like because it, it, it showed me that there was an evolution for these characters. Kitty was a student. Beast back in the 60s was a student. You know, Wolverine was the ultimate like sort of outsider originally. And then I think very smartly Marvel and specifically Jason Aaron made him the unlikely headmaster of the Jean Grey Institute. Um, I like that like these characters had to move and transform and become um, not necessarily different characters, but grow up a little bit uh, to be, to, to have to mentor a whole new group of kids, uh, many of whom were, were um, uh, uh, basically were mutants after they sort of started reversing the M day stuff, um, you know, a few years back. Uh, I also like Jason Aaron's sense of humor. I think at times I love the I love the the post decimation new X Men uh, stuff, but at times it felt it's so dark it like it was a little bit hard to read. Um, while it does have you know some dark humor uh, mixed into it, I think uh, Jason Aaron's humor is completely irrever irreverent, uh, and it just it made a really nice um, contrast from where a lot of the other X books were at the time. Um, plus I like the art a lot. I think uh, Nick Bradshaw was the artist for most of the run. He took over after Chris Bacalo did it. And he had um, kind of an Art Adams feel. Art Adams uh, drew the Longshot miniseries back in the 80s. 
he drew that iconic cover for classic X-Men number one. He's just got this like, you know, like wonderful, wonderfully like uh, uh, cartoon style that I think worked really well for the book. Um, I don't know. I just, I just love it. It's one I of my see- favorite runs. Oh yeah. Right. I have an issue where I, this team was, was much better written than what was going on with Cyclops and Emma Cyclops. Yeah. That, and Emma Frost's team and everything that were during that time with Bendis and all that shit. But I don't like the characters on this team. When they had the schism, it was very quick to realize that I have like A characters on one side and then these B characters I don't like as much and they all happen to be on the same team. Like I I don't really give it too, too many shits. About, um, I don't know. I don't know. But it's much better written than all the business garbage. So at that time I did drop, I ended up dropping both because after Frankenstein I just didn't care anymore. I didn't Wait. like the kids enough. I didn't uh, also, the, the one issue I chose for us to read was the Duke issue, because that was the only one I really liked. It's good. And that's basically just a, a X-Force or X-Statics issue, basically. Which yeah, I where he's, he's sleeping with a bunch of people so that school can function. But, with all that said, Bradshaw's art is beautiful. I think yes. that is probably one of the best parts of this run. It looks phenomenal. Yeah, it's so detailed and gorgeous. They did a great job. They made a Frankenstein look entertaining. Like they did such a great job. But sorry, I didn't mean to call on you. Uh, But (laughs) but I think like Wolverine and the X Men. I was so excited for this run. I love the young X Men. I love the generation below the X Men that are always training to become. Mm -hmm. The these stories didn't go anywhere at all. We can bring up Husk or Toad that like they're the faculty that just she ripped her face off the f- first issue and then wasn't seen and then she didn't have a conclusion to anything. None of these character arcs went anywhere. It was ridiculous. And then the next writer that came in had to like wash everything away because it was so all over the place. And then they like desperately tried to get Oya, which was actually a pretty cool character, but like she she just brew like they tried to incorporate them later, but it just it didn't land because these characters didn't really go through any sort of struggle in the way that like the new X-Men did. Like they actually became different characters through the run. I feel like Brew definitely did. That's true. Yeah, Brew did. He's one of the few I feel like actually did change. That I, I new- thought. What? Oh, I thought Edie changed a lot too yeah. throughout the world. Um, like coming, uh, starting off by saying that I am because of her her religion, like I'm a monster for being a mutant. And you saw her kind of becoming more comfortable with her being a mutant throughout the but, Wolverine X-Men run. But Kayla, uh, that actually happened in Generation Hope. Yeah. Ooh. No, it, it happened much more in Wolverine and the X-Men. I have, I have a- I, I, I didn't read Generation Hope the first, I, I had to go back and reread Generation Hope. I would read, read for the first time. I didn't read it as it was coming out. I have a question that might help me decide on my vote. Cause I think it sounds like I, from my quick reading, I thought the artwork was, was actually much better in Wolverine and the X-Men. I found it to be a little bit more comedic. I definitely can hear that why the plot lines don't go, any, you know, the plot lines may not go anywhere. And I'm wondering like to, in terms of what makes X-Men teams stand out the most, is it the character development or is it the sort of like everyday adventure comic if that makes sense because like I, I think that's where my disconnect is is like I, I can hear you and I certainly saw that I think the characters probably have more interesting journeys just from my quick reading for Academy X but I did find myself just enjoying Wolverine the X-Men and wanting to read more just because I thought it was more delightfully written so I'm like wondering like what what are you looking for when you all go into an X-Men series? I, I think with out? with new new X-Men it, for me it was more emotionally affecting the other one might I don't know. Delightful is obviously not the better word. But like literally, there were so many. Like the Emma Frost when she has to rip Carol Danvers apart is such an emotionally affecting scene. Part when they have to, you know, like the candlelight visual. I there every single moment I felt like either on the edge of my seat or sad or enjoying it. And then when they go to hell, it's just I don't know. I absolutely I love it, and I definitely go based on characterization a lot even though in this case it seems like that might be more of a it's Wolverine the X-Men side just because the character arcs are going towards something I feel like uh the writers of New X-Men are 
better because the dialogue makes me laugh way more than when I read a Wolverine in the X-Men comic. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that is wacky that you're in a bloodstream. <laughs> That's not comedy. That's just, I, you got put in a strange situation. That's not comedy. That's improv, which is terrible. I know it because I do it. <laughs> the, you're just in a silly situation, not an actual, like, also the villains are just so much better in New X-Men. They're oh, actual they, they, villains. Yeah. There's so much I don't like about a lot of what happened in, in Wolverine the X-Men. I can't, I don't care about the So why don't, we, why don't we take club. it to a vote then? <laughs> I, Brett, hey, I do. Before we take it to a vote, Brent, you haven't spoken at all about these. What Look, I, I, I think that the humor in Wolverine and the X Men was probably the biggest attractor because it felt like it wasn't, um, it, it didn't have a voice that I thought was very clear. It seemed like it was trying to be wacky and off the wall without genuinely being surprising in any way. Brent, what was funny? What made you laugh in one of the issues you read? Nothing. And and Wolverine and the X Men. Okay, uh, that's what I'm saying. Is that the like, biggest detractor? I am oh. probably harsher. I, I didn't about, hear that properly either. Yeah, sorry. I'm, yeah, what I'm saying is that it didn't have a voice that I thought was clear as far as humor goes, and I generally hate it more. I would rather have something humorless than for it to have a sense of humor that I don't like. I, I just love. There's an issue. Um, Dan, we're gonna keep going. Sorry. Uh, New X Men. <laughs> where, um, at the last issue, an elixir is like. So in pain, he had to kill some, like demons and blah blah blah, and he's all depressed and has like changed his body chemistry. And then um, Loa shows up, opens the door. He's like moping in his room. He opens the door and says, "You want to make out?" And he just immediately turns back in his gold self and says, "Sure." It's just the characterization is so wonderful in it. Anyways, yes, sorry, that's all. I all right, say. let's throw it to a vote. All in favor of the post decimation new X Men going forward? Thumbs up. And in three to two, post-destination moves forward. Oh, my. Adam, you and, I are, you and I are sisters in this. Well, right, I, I, was, right, I was scared. I was scared. Kaylin, we're moving on to the uh, weird teams. Yep. So, and I just uh, wanted to say, before you get into that, I was the one to do the um, ranking for the next two groups, weird and paramilitary, and... I did it actually based on what I thought were the ones that are more important and like historically more interesting and stuff like that. And we have gotten one through four on each one. So these are the ones that I, not tooting my own horn, but the fact that these were the ones that we kind of knew. Luck, fucking look at me. Yeah. I got all this shit correct. Congratulations, Clark. You predicted something yeah. of your friend's opinions. Good job. <laughs> hey, you know what? Yeah, I think it is a good direct. job. I'm doing very well in this bracket, the whole bracket. All right, great. So um, <laughs> the first uh, pairing, <laughs> the first pairing in the weird miscellaneous teams, we've got the original X Factor, uh, mostly written by Louis Simonson, mostly drawn by Walt Simonson, featuring Cyclops, Jean Grey, Beast, Iceman, and Angel, who became Archangel, up against Excalibur, the original Excalibur. Most, it's written by Chris Claremont, mostly drawn by Alan Davis, and then ultimately Alan Davis became both writer and artist. The original team was uh, Nightcrawler, Pride, uh, Rachel Gray, as she was known as Phoenix at the time, Captain Britain and Megan. Um, and so these two teams are up against each other and we'll see who makes it to the Sweet 16. What do you guys think? Kaylin, why don't you take the uh, first shot? Okay. Um, I think Excalibur is a much more enjoyable read. I'll just say that. Um, you know, from an from an impact standpoint, I think X Factor probably made a little bit more of an impact just for the introduction of Apocalypse as like a uh, mainstay villain. But um, if I have to go back and reread anything, Excalibur gives me more joy, and I like the characters more. Yeah, I don't at all want to read um, the original X Factor again. Yeah. Right. It's it's a tough thing to get through. I was reading a bunch of issues and just sort of like picked random ones and it's it's kind of joyless in a weird way. Like it's joyless. What Excalibur did was like they lit and to not be located in the US is also a huge thing that we need to think about. Like it's not just yeah. like Americans being like, I love the X I mean it usually is, but like it's it's nice to see them go out, be strange, be different somewhere else. It's it's enjoyable. And it's got magic. Hey. Yeah. 
Um, Adam or Brent, do you guys want to add? I just, I think it represents the we the anyway we're calling it like weird miscellaneous, and I think it represents weird much better than X Factor represents a different side. Like we're kind of obviously we created these brackets, so I think we could find the best of the best from kind of the categories of how X Men could be written. And I think this is definitely a shining example. Excalibur is a shining example of what weird really could be and where you could take, like you were mentioning Ryan, like where you could take it if it's not built into the heart of like everyday, like US kind of culture, so. For me, um, because I've, I've only read, you know, I've read a few issues of each. I honestly don't know if the, like the issues you guys gave were the best representation or maybe I should put it differently that you could represent these really well in a couple of issues because I think that there is probably something that you guys got from them that feels like a longer, better story that's more interesting in Excalibur. But uh, to me, they, they, uh, it, it's a hard toss up because neither of them seemed particularly appealing. And maybe I, that's, sorry. Like, uh, I was gonna say, maybe it's because the art styling in Excalibur really, you know, I felt like was holding it back, but you also hate magic, Brent. Like, let's just put it out there. You're Actually, that's true. I, gen I generally hate magic as a part of stories. I, 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 I think, uh, in all seriousness, I'm shocked that you don't like the art in Excalibur because, like, Clark, Ryan, and I all like Alan I really Davis like it too. is one of yeah. an Adam. To, look, he's like one of not only one of the best X Men artists, but one of the best artists, like working. Uh, period. Like he's so fucking talented uh, that it surprises me. That's why me I'm a tasteless rube. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the experts. I'm but a, I'm a, but a lowly fool. Open your but, fucking I mean, mind, you trash bucket. But, I mean, no, the art is the greatest. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm honestly surprised by it. I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to like shit on you, but like, cause like, I think you've got a good eye for this stuff and not, you may not know X-Men as much as what we do, but you know comics and you know like quality and it just, it just surprises me that like, you know, your aesthetic isn't matching up to the art that he, that he did. What a great way to shame him. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, Brent, I thought you would get it. <laughs> I, before getting on here right now, I, I was kind of uh, toss up as well because I don't really like Excalibur all that much. And I didn't realize how much I would like, um, yeah, I just lost in my head, but um, the later run, uh, just with the Muir Island the one that we were talking about. The Warren Ellis, yeah. Yes, yep. I yeah. got a W in my head and that's all I could think of. Um, yeah. And I don't know. It's, I mean, I love Goofy, but it's Goofy in a way that I'm not really interested. And I felt like reading so, so many issues, they go off on their own solo so many times that it almost doesn't feel like a team sometimes, which is I, I think frustrating. I, I think some of that... Some of that is uh, Claremont wanting to, he just loved, like Nightcrawler was his favorite character mm. from the all new, all different era. He created Shadowcat, he loved her, and he loved Rachel Gray because that's, she was the product of one of the most iconic storylines. And, um, you know, I think he wanted to spend more time with these characters when they couldn't be part of the X-Men because of the way that they were being written at the time. So uh, the, the, I, I, the issues I, sorry, the issues I chose are ones where they actually have to interact. There's one that I chose, I don't remember which issue it is, it's somewhere in there. Um, that was Megan and Rachel's powers were in like interrupting each other. So they were going all fucked up. And I liked the fact that everyone was involved and it actually like showed of dysfunctional interactions that I thought was really interesting. I just didn't see that much at all. And that's why I don't really love either one. And that's why I had to toss it. But the fact yeah. that I said joyless earlier kind of makes me realize how much X Factor I don't care about. Should we um, put up to a vote, Brent? Uh, if there's no other comments, yeah. all right. Uh, yes. Thumbs up if you think that, wait, what's the first one? Thumbs up if you think a <laughs> factor should go forward. I vote for X Club. How does X Club get back in? Where's uh, the yeah, bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I said it right, didn't I? You did. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You did. Okay, so in five to zero or zero to five, Excalibur goes forward. Yeah, magic. All right, next one. Peter David battle. 
Yep, it is the all new, all different X Factor from the early 90s versus X Factor Investigations. Peter David wrote both of them, as Clark just mentioned. The uh, all new, all different team is Havoc, Strong Guy, Polaris, Quicksilver, Madrox, uh, and Wolvesbane. And then X Factor Investigations, of course, is led by Madrox. It's got Layla Miller, Siren comes in, Richter, Shatterstar, a number of other characters. I think this is going to be a pretty easy, yeah. easy win here, uh, unless anybody really wants to talk about which team should go forward. I, um, I just want to say that it's very funny because it's like telling if a writer was good in his early years oh, or yeah. his later years. Yeah. It's literally yeah. just looking at him as a writer. And yeah. he gets better with age, I will say. <laughs> well, yeah. it's age, and also uh, he had less editorial interference because Marvel let him kind of go off on his own and do his own thing in the, in the later run. Totally. Versus the earlier run, he got basically cut off at his knees because uh, the direction that he was going in, Marvel editorial didn't like or agree with. So That's, that's um, part of why he left, up. too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. The, um, so. Yeah, I remember this, the new run, the Investigations run, he... Um, maybe like the first 30 issues he was involved with the crossovers. And by the end, he's like, no, don't, don't connect me at all. He did one where, you know, usually there was, I'm trying to think which crossover literally had one issue of four, three issues of each one. Each series had to be part of this one long story. And afterwards, Peter David just kind of wrote his own story related to it, but it was its own special thing, which I absolutely love. And respect the hell out of the fact that he's like i'm not doing them anymore and then just <laughs> stopped having them connect with everybody else's bullshit all right so uh let's just go ahead and take it to a vote i <laughs> hated that x the 90s x factor <laughs> so right. that, uh, clark can be continually <laughs> Great what were you <laughs> yeah pulling a clark just there yeah, it won't be trample. too soon since i never hear a great trample 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 all right <laughs> Uh, all in favor of all new, all different X Factor going forward, thumbs up. And five to zero, zero five factor investigations moves forward. I do a quick double check there. Yeah, you had to think. <laughs> it was like when I saw that stranger in the mirror and I got very confused <laughs> why he was so slow. All right, Clark, for the last round of paramilitary teams. Yes, paramilitary. Okay. So first off, we have got to scroll through this fucking thing that's out of order. Okay. I got it. Anyways. No, I just totally lost it. Why the fuck is it so out of order? Anyway, so we got Uncanny. Uh, I'm winging it because I can't. Oh, there it is. Okay. Uncanny we'll X. And post. It's fine. Oh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> I hate this list. Um, it, it's un Uncanny X Force at Wolverine, Psylocke, Phantom X, Archangel, Deadpool, and Deathlock. Uh, Rick Remender, Jerome Opena, and Asad Rubik were the writer slash artist. They are going up against the rise and fall of the Shi'ar Empire. And that is Polaris, once again it's gone, Professor X, Havoc, Warpath, Rachel Gray, Nightcrawler, Hepzibah, and Storm later. That's um, Ed Brubaker and Philip Tan. So what should people think? Um, Clark, first of all, I like that you pretended like you didn't know who the writers or the people in the team were without the <laughs> I didn't. You know it pretty extensively. I don't you know who the artists. I, I would have had to refine the artist names, I'll tell you that much. Um, the, the Rise and Fall of the Shi'ar Empire uh, is sort of like it's run in itself. It's It starts very strong and then it sort of isn't Falls. good by the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I wanted yeah. this one dropped last time. Yeah, it's very aptly named. Like, it makes sense, and I, I, I just don't. So I, I think this one is floundering already. Uh, uh, Adam and Brent, did y'all read any more of Uncanny X Force, specifically the Dark Angel saga? I, I didn't get to that part yet, but I did kind of go back and reread from um, the beginning. So I'm definitely gonna ahead of next week because I, I have a good feeling that this will probably come to pass. But I really enjoy Uncanny <laughs> X Force, and I think it actually fits. Brent, what your ongoing like comments are on certain things about voice, because I think all five of the characters feel very distinct. So Wolverine, Phantom X, Psylocke, Angel, and whoever the, the fifth one is, Deadpool. It's like, it's, it's impressive because it's, it's Phantom X and Deadpool are both kind of jokesters. Wolverine and Archangel are like the hard ones. Psylocke are kind of, but like, 
they all, even within their area of kind of the role they're supposed to play as the character on the team, they still have a distinct vision of who they are and how they participate in conversations, at least I felt. Um, and so I just, it's just a really good series and it's highly interesting. And I think it's the pinnacle of what a paramilitary X-Men team can be, I think. Yep, I would agree with that. I ran into some problems um, uh, when I was trying to read all these during my work schedule this week because as I was trying to keep track of which one I was reading, I went out of order around this part just to try and get like the last few. And what ended up happening was that some of the teams were renamed from the way that we originally had them on the bracket to how they're named on the recommendation for the, uh, yeah. the, the comics to read and the years were removed for I don't know why. And so I had a hell of a time trying to keep track of what I actually read. So I'm not certain I even read the right books. <laughs> <laughs> Just look for Nightcrawler and Deadpool and you'll be fine with Uncanny X-Force, I feel like. that For next, for next week, Brent, I'll make sure that you're reading the right issues. So right. hopefully you'll have, I hope, I mean, yes, I don't know why the years got taken off. The, but the years are right there. Other. One number one, Uncanny X Force 2010, and we're not doing this. We're not doing this. It's right there. They're all right there. They're all fucking right there on the left side. Hey, we'll edit this out in post. <laughs> hey, our one, our one listener doesn't care for about this conversation. No, so. they should be angry at Brent for failing. I do. I didn't really get farther in Shiar, but I could. I just don't. There's no I, reason. Based to. on what you guys are describing, I can't imagine that un Uncanny. Yeah, this is this is this is a five to zero thing. Uncanny yeah. X Force will move forward, so Let's I think we should take a vote. Will it? All right. <laughs> Let's take no, it. Now everyone downvote it now. All right. Yeah. Okay. Don't do it out of spite for me. Like fuck you. I'm not. <laughs> All right. in favor of Uncanny X Force going forward, give a thumbs up. Fuck Kayla. <laughs> Uh, back around. Five, five to zero, but I thought it would have been really funny if all of us voted against Kayla. And had to move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we stuck to our guns. The only yeah. way we have upsets in this is when we accidentally cause ourselves to. <laughs> <laughs> we are okay. that dumb. We are absolutely that dumb. All right, let's do the last team. Yes, so we got the original X-Force written by Rob Lee Field. And we have the Decimation X-Force, which are the, the people, yeah? Anyways, <laughs> I really paid attention. My dinner went way too long and I'm distracted as fuck. Anyways, let me actually read who, who did what. That was Chris someone and who's it, what's it? Oh. <laughs> You know, can I jump in? Can I it was Chris Yost and Craig Kyle with Clayton Crane as one of the artists. And um, Clark, no one can understand you smiling through it. <laughs> all right, I am uh, Decimation Era X Force, Wolverine, Warpath, X 23, Archangel, Domino, Elixir, Vanisher, Wolfsbane. Uh, that was X Force 20, 2008, 1 through 28. As I said, Chris Yost and Craig Kyle. And then that went up against a regular stupid X Force. <laughs> With that piece of shit writer. You didn't write it, but okay. I... Yeah, you did. He was the artist. He was, Simonson. Honor, but... he was Yeah, Fabian Nishiza, Greg Capullo, and Tony Daniel. That's Abel, Cannonball, Richter, Boom Boom, Sunspot, Feral, Shatterstar, Warpath, Domino. That's from 1990 and 1991. So what do we think about what the hell I'm talking Kaylin, about? Caitlin, why don't you start? Thank you. Um, so by, by, any, by any barometer, The Decimation X-Force is a better book. That said, uh, the original X-Force was the reason why this category exists. Um, it is the epitome of the, oh, an X-Team being a paramilitary force, of being a proactive force. I use that word in quotes, whatever that means. But like the reason, like, Uncanny X-Force and the Decimation X-Force could not exist if not for the original X-Force. And yeah, the Layfield issues are garbage and they're really hard to read. But after he leaves, the book gets to be good. And it's probably one of the best of the early 90s X-Books. Um, when Fabian Nicias is writing it, Greg Blue is drawing it, and then Tony Daniels following him. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very enjoyable book. It just is. 
And uh, there's at times um, I've, I've criticized Decimation X-Force when uh, Clayton Crane is drawing it. Um, I, we do have to factor in the art. The art is just, it's dark and almost like weirdly computer rendered where it just feels very lifeless, even though the dialogue and the plot are really good, so. Ne Necrosia for Decimation Team really are the culmination of all Kyle and Yost's ideas mm. and it doesn't really get executed that well, which is really sad because I love them yeah. as writers. But and that said, even though you, you said it spot on, like they're the better writers, like it's, it, like it's plotted better, it makes more sense. Uh, with that in mind, the 90s exist because this terrible, like the cliche of what the X-Men were in the 90s of pockets, and the guns and all this stuff exists because of this run of X-Force. Is it written well? No, but either is Transformers and it's iconic, you, you know what I mean? So like, Kaylee, you, it's, oops, sorry. no, it's, it, it's so, I think for the impact alone, this is a whole era that it encompasses rather Kaylee, than just a good written story. Kaylin, you were talking about the 80s and 2000s being very important, like for the best X-Men periods. This is the yeah. reason the 90s were not mentioned by you. This yeah. trashed 10 years of X-Men. I mean, it, it was very just... influential, but it also was a driving yeah. force to what crap we had to deal with for 10 years. Also, for me, this is about the teams, not about the importance of a run. The team itself was what I'm looking at at this point, and I don't think it's a good team. I don't think it's well-written for ages. I, don't, I think it gets better. We got rid of the um, post-cable, but I think it gets better character-wise once we get um, to the school and all this out of the way. There's something about the brute force nature of the original X-Force that, like, like, it punches you in the face with how bad of writing it is. That was like, the 90s. I kind of understand why you... It's like you... drinking Surge while you're <laughs> eating, like, an extreme yeah. Dorito. Right. Like, if you're, if you're a kid who hasn't really experienced the X-Men and you kind of want to be macho and, like, your grandma gets you a comic book and it's this, it, I can kind of see why someone might have latched onto it, but why fans would really hate it. Uh, Brent, right. why are this you attacking the... me? Why are you attacking me right now? <laughs> This is when I started reading. And like I if you're, like, if you're in Florida, as a, Florida drinking Gatorade because the water is tainted. Made with real, real gators, gators, real gators. Florida. <laughs> yeah, as a closeted faggot, I loved, I did love Layfield in the 90s and I feel like trash room. Really. I was totally. like, yes, this I will is say awesome. It's the, not good. The decimation art style, I think, really is distracting for me. Mm -hmm. I, I, I hate that computer rendered style. And it, to me, it becomes, it's so overwhelming that even though I do think it's, much, it's definitely better written and it's not bad, it's just, it makes it feel like I'm weighing two very unequal scales to try and push it forward. Yeah. Um, and to just to address what Clark said, I think Clark, you made a really strong point. Um, I do feel like the 90s era of the X-Men is very spotty and it's a lot editorially driven. And like so much so that I really don't like X-Men Gold and that, that got voted out. And like X-Men Blue like was slightly better, but I didn't love it. But like, like I said, I do think once you get past the Layfield era, which is what I think people are glomming onto, and he like leaves after like issue 10 or 11 and to go create, to, to create Youngblood over an image. Um, after he leaves, the book gets good. Uh, I like the way that Nisiezek writes the characters. Um, while they're not the most iconic, because uh, I think Sunspot becomes a better character later on, I think uh, uh, Cannonball certainly becomes a better character later on. But I kind of like that these, they were almost like the, uh, these were the New Mutants characters that were in the shadow of the X-Men and they're charming their own way. Even if the stories didn't always work, even the characterization was a little off at times. I liked the idea of it uh, a lot. Um, so, I don't know, this is a tough one for me just because it's like, quality versus impact, um, quality of storytelling at least versus impact. I think the art in post Layfield and original X-Force is better than Decimation era X-Force. Ryan? It's, uh, it, I mean, do we want to keep the one around that made me kind of feel weird as a young cable? <laughs> I don't know, it's it, like, it's just so toxic. It's not about you, Ryan. It's not about It you. is my vote. 
<laughs> I don't know. It's it. Uh, I don't know. It's it's tough so, to reread well, those issues. So I guess the better question is: This is the paramilitary bat bracket. Which one of them is the better militaristic team? Like I say, the original. I say the other one because it's a literal kill squad. Yeah, the other one gets the fucking job done. That's They've got jobs I, yeah. and they do all the jobs. This the I, other I, one. Well, then let me, because uh, Adam's question didn't help elucidate any difference. Kaylin, so there, okay, so there's, there's kind of two ways you could think about which stories have, uh, which, which X-Men have more impact. And one of them is like the cultural impact that like a lot of people bought these issues. Is there anything about the original X-Force storylines that, you think stand out in a way that's better than decimation? Um, yeah, I do. And I think it usually comes in in the crossovers with the other X books. Um, like you had in the early 90s, Executioner Song, and then right after it, you had Fatal Attractions. And I really liked the X-Force books right around then. Um, I liked the way that uh, these uh, this team was written in contrast with uh, the blue and gold teams and even X factor. I don't know. I, I kind of enjoyed it. Um, you know, um, the decimation era X-Men, it kind of ends in a crossover. Um, it ends with second coming, um, which was a really good crossover in the two thousands too. But, um, yeah. Clark or uh, Ryan, do you have anything to add to that? I, he's right. It's, uh, I mean, strife really sticks out in terms of, uh, characters that are taken away. I mean, the problem is with, it's so iconic, but it's just made fun of now. It's pockets, it's guns, mm. it's, there's a clone. It's every, like, so, so I think yes, it's got its impact way more. And I think it'll stand the test of time, obviously way more, but it's not a progressive not look at what the X-Men could be. <laughs> and that's why it's problematic. With that said, let's vote now. Yeah. It feels very confusing. No, 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 I say that. I say that. Oh, damn it. Uh, all right. Now let's uh, throw it up to a vote. <laughs> <laughs> all in favor of the original X-Force going forward, give a thumbs up. Oh, I'm the deciding vote on this one. <laughs> as, he takes a, as he takes a sip of his champagne. I, I think... I think uh, I'm going to go down. Oh, whoa. Wow. I like how I was so totally supporting Decimation, but I voted against it in the bracket. Damn it. Uh, so so in, in, in a two- <laughs> I broke decision, it. I broke my own bracket. Decimation is going to go forward. I think, Kaylin, you made a really convincing argument, but I think it's what Ryan said about the quality of the X team. Being Ryan, what the hell happened there? Um, I still think the original X, uh, X-Force should move on. <laughs> you were shitting all over it. I know, because it's It's shitty. problematic, but I wanted to continue. Uh -huh. So, well, you know, the interesting thing now is, as we go into Elite Eight, there are no, there's no representation of a 90s team. Yeah, Everything is as from it the should 80s be. As it should 80s, be. 80s, or Dazzlers. I mean, <sighs> but, I mean, I mean, yes, I like, look, I stand by that, but... Um, for a lot of X fans, the 90s is a very pinnacle era. It was the era of the cartoon. It was the era of Jim Lee. It was the era of like belts and pockets and everything. So, then you uh, can but, go back and read these comments. Looking through my bracket, like, remember how we had to do that? Well, we did numbering for a while. Then all the 90s comics were like the least, like, we had, one of our lines was, the columns was, um, was queerness, and that shit, queerness was so low in the 90s ones. Yeah, we have 80s truly. ones that are so queer, and then we got the 2000s ones that are queer, but. That's what toxic masculinity does. Yep. Ruins the 90s. Yes. So, um, Brent, I can go over what's going up in Elite Eight next week. Please do. So uh, we're going to have uh, all new, all different uh, X-Men versus new X-Men, the Morrison run. And then we're going to have uh, the original New Mutants up against uh, the Decimation era new X-Men. Um, and then going into the weird miscellaneous, miscellaneous, <laughs> it's uh, miscellaneous. miscellaneous teams. Mm. 
Missile anal. We're all uh, horny. We all are still in quarantine. It's fine. That's it's anal secondary mutation. He's got a missile on his butt. Uh, it is uh, Excalibur versus X Factor Investigations, and then we've got Uncanny X Force versus Decimation Era X Force. So we're getting down to the nitty gritty, y'all. And also. Also, next week, uh, when we come back, we're going to, since the bracket is fairly small, we're also going to start integrating uh, comic news, movie news, TV news, and then some more comics, because I think uh, we're going to have some more uh, issues coming out next week um, in the Dawn of X, uh, uh, in the Dawn of X moniker. So, excited about that. All right. All right. So, goodbye, uh, everyone, and uh, good luck. Bye. Uh, uh. Press.